Welcome to The Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin is narrated by Mason Fair. Key to Carowin, Chapter 4, Bedtime Stories. All that turmoil and I didn't have to lift so much as a finger. Still, I would have ended things differently had I had any say in the matter. And yet I think there was just the right amount of disquiet to the situation. You see, sometimes a little kindness can be a cruel thing. It builds hope. I like to use it as a tool on occasion, and in just the right amount. In my experience, these sorts of incentives often prompt actions later on that are sufficient in moving a person forward, but without the required amount of conviction that true hardship can teach. Believing they can fly, a person will leap off the cliff and find they simply plummet lower than they were before. My job is an art, a creation not a science. Too much of any one color can destroy the entire effect. There is a nuance to this sort of thing. It bothers me, though, that she should be the one to carry it out. I cannot follow her, so I follow the girl, back home, met by the boy. Did you get rid of the stupid duck? He demands. The girl pales, but a slow burning fire ignites. It is there in the pink glow of her cheeks. I gave it to Aeoli. She said she would look after it, the girl insists. A grin, the color of burnt coffee. Right, the boy scoffs. I'm sure your imaginary friend will look after it just fine. She will. She'll take care of it. The woman appears, worn, stretched thin around her edges, bag weighing down her hand. Did you let the duck go? Are you ready? She set it down by the puddle, the boy proclaims. I gave it to Ailey, the girl insists. A sneer and a shove. Get in the car, the boy says. The girl did not move. Come on, the woman puts in. We have to go. A wave of a hand. Reluctant steps. Another shove. The boy and the girl are taken to a house where they are swallowed by the yawning front door. The woman sighs from her place in the car. I follow her to a sterile building. Whitewashed walls cover the smell of decay and decline. The scent of death. A hospital. Their pathetic attempt to heal themselves. Folly. I tend to the details of the thing. Timing is important. Very important. I have to work quickly. That is the difficult part. Being quick and precise at the same time. Time moves in fits and starts in your world. Always and only forward but with unpredictable surges and inexplicable stalls. This episode moved like water through sand. 
difficult to pin the thing down with any accuracy. I hate the way your time works. Things do not go as I intend. I strive against those who can see the future after all. Those who count it their business to change the things I put in place. To undo all that I work so laboriously to achieve. I almost have the thing in hand. Almost succeed. But a whisper in the wrong ear by her... A physician who actually listens, all along concluding it is his own instincts that guide him, and a diligent nurse, and all my labors are undone in one shooting star moment. He is born. It does not matter. I am still in charge here in this world. There is only one other here to oppose me. I will simply wait for another opportunity, another time. There is so much time to work with here, after all. I go to check on the girl, curious, hoping to find her there, to hear what she will say. I find them at the monstrosity of a house, a museum of smells, a veritable limbo of knickknacks, trinkets, pictures, dishes, tchotchkes, various and sundry objects. An homage to a human life, waiting to find their resting place along with their owner. It reminds you of old cardboard and twine, or perhaps of age-laden windows with the light falling through the dust. If you look closely, it will seem beautiful. Step back, and you will see the full scope of the decay. They are sitting together in a bed too old and too deep for the girl to be in alone without drowning. The windows dark and a thick blanket pulled over cold toes and legs whispers in the dark the scent of disquietude disturbing a stillness the color of indigo the baby was born whispers the girl yes i know i was there when it happened she replies will he be all right I will do what I can. Grandma says they won't be able to come home for a while. We have to stay here. Is it so very bad here? She asks, already knowing the answer for herself. I suppose not. I just want to go home. I want to see my mom. Of course you do. But just now, you should go to sleep. You'll feel better in the morning. Will you tell me about bedtime story a bedtime story yeah you know a story to help me fall asleep ah I see well I suppose there is one story I know lie down and I will begin a shuffle a tug a squirm and a tuck and the story begins there exists she sets out a world that is both older and newer than this one. In that world, people travel without machines, tend gardens, tell stories, draw and paint, 
and make music. The people there grow crops, raise families, and build houses. That world is ruled by a loving king who lives in a castle in the kingdom of Carewin. Carewin existed long before that world was created. The king created that world so that he could have all of the things that world has to offer. Was he lonely? The girl asked. Is that why he made the world and the people so we would have someone to talk to? Perhaps, she replies. Can I go there? The girl squeaks. Will you take me? She considered the girl for a moment then. There was once a connection between your world and theirs, for when everything was just as he wanted it to be, King Cadron went on to make your world too. But things did not go as he would have liked. Your people did not want him to be their king. Why not? An objectionable frown. They didn't want to have a king at all. They thought they could take care of themselves. So the people of this world went their own way. Sadly, your world has drifted away from the world of Carewin, Far from the world in which it was created. Humans have issued Carewin's inventions, art, and music for machines that are quicker and easier to build. Stories that are churned out by computers, and art that is copied and reproduced until it is a mere memory of the ideas and concepts that were first instilled in them. Men, like the machines in art, have lost what they once knew. The race of men created from a people of great nobility, once honest, loyal, brave, and strong, have become tainted with the evil living in the world they have created. They have compromised and bent, folding their brilliant human colors in on themselves until they are now the dreary color of damp. They can no longer call to mind the kingdom from which they began or even remember that they once belonged there. A sigh and a frown. Why? the girl chirped. Where did all the bad come from here? How did it get here? A fidget, and a roll, and a yawn. A stroke of a small head. King Cadron ruled his people justly, along with his queen, Ava, their son, Tiernan, and their daughter, Ailey. The girl's head popped up off the pillow. That's you! She smiles. Yes, that's me. I knew you were a princess. As I was saying, she goes on, the people of Carewin lived a peaceful existence, working together to create and enjoy life. There was, however, as with every world, a flaw, a single blemish in an otherwise pristine world. Agnor. What's an Agnor? Agnor is a person, and was once King Cadron's foremost soldier. When our worlds still revolve together, the king saw the human world failing, sinking into itself, and he was sad. King Cadron asked Angnor to go to the human world to help the humans in the hopes Angnor could guide the people and create the sort of world he had intended them for to have, and hopefully to become the sort of people he had intended them to be. But Angnor did not want to serve the humans. He said it was beneath him to work with such a lowly race and feared that, should he try to help them, he would instead become one of them. He did not go to the human world. 
When King Cadron discovered Angnor had disobeyed his order, he cast Angnor to the outskirts of the kingdom, exiling him to a life of solitude. That doesn't sound like much of a punishment for disobeying. I'd get a lot worse than a time out. Indeed, it was a compassionate punishment. Even so, Angnor was rebellious. Disguising himself as a commoner, Angnor stole back to Carewin. There, he waited outside its walls until the king's servant girl left the castle and went to the marketplace. The king and queen loved this particular servant girl above all others, and Angnor knew that. He took the girl, her protests going unheard among the rhythms and clatterings of the marketplace. Angnor brought the servant girl to the human world. He cast her down into another form, another life, another time. He left her there, small, weak, and defenseless, against the dank and fumes that had become this world. Did she die? said through a mouthful of yawning. No, she did not die. She was changed, like a magic spell. Yes, much the same. So the girl's still here? Yes, she is. Did the bad come with her? It came with Angnor. Can the girl get back? said with half-closed eyes. No. The door will not open again until she is safely home with the king. I mumbled. Doesn't make sense. How's she supposed to get back if she's already there? Indeed, that does not make sense. To get someplace by already being there, spoken in riddles. I know the story she has told the girl. I also know that the tale did not transpire as she tells it. There was so much more to it than that. So much she has not said of the king's betrayal and Angnor's bravery. I happen to know that the noble Angnor was trying to redirect a misguided king who had unsound and unrealistic plans. But then what odds if she has changed the yarn in the telling of it? It is merely a bedtime story, after all. Another yawn and a murmur of slurred speech. Then... The smell of sunshine, the hint of gentle waves, and a deeply buried caress of contentment. Listening to Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin was narrated by Mason Fair, with original music provided by Serena Fair. For more information about this and other projects, please visit shifterspress.ca. Thank you for listening.